All right. Well, if you open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, we're going to keep diving into our hot mess this morning. Um, I, had, uh, I, I listened to them a little bit online this last week. I know um, last week, Stephanie and I were gone. We were visiting um, some friends and family in California. We celebrated the life of Stephanie's grandma who went to be with Jesus this last week. Or she went before that, but this last week we had the celebration. And it was, it was fun to be there, and I'm so thankful for uh, Pastor Matt to come and, and take over on Sunday and share his talk on, on words. And when I was talking with Pastor Matt, you know, we were talking about the series, and I told him we we're going to do hot mess and this and that. And he goes, well... I have a message I can share about words, and I guess it'll fit because words can get you into a mess if you're not really careful, right? So it was fun to hear from him on, um, on words. And we're going to dive into some new stuff this week, sticking with our, our hot mess theme. Now, last time I spoke, um, you know, two weeks ago, we, we kicked this off, and you guys remember what the, the topic was, right? How our families can be a hot mess. How much our families, a mess of things can be when you get all the family together, whether it's extended family or even just your immediate family. We can all go through seasons where we just go, wow, what a mess. My, my, my kids are a mess. My spouse is a mess. I'm a mess. Everything I do at home is a mess. And we went through some great people in Genesis. We talked about Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and, man, messy families. I mean, we had people deceiving each other, cheating on each other, trying to kill each other. But in the end, when they refocused their, their walk and their sights on God, God turned that mess into a beautiful family. And they did some incredible things. So we talked all about how we can work on our families in the midst of our hot mess. Now, another word associated with mess, uh, kind of a, a darker word. Instead of saying hot mess, sometimes people say it's chaos. My life is chaos. My family's chaos. Things are just chaotic. And that, that word comes along with so many emotions. But, but in, this, in this series, we're going to be talking about messes and chaos, and we'll take another step today about something that can easily take control of our lives if we let this get out of control. So I was reading this story, and there's this woman. This woman wakes up, and she hears this dripping sound at home. So her investigation begins. She's walking through this drip, 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 and she finds her way down into the kitchen, and sure enough, there's water coming out from under the sink. So she opens up, she sees the, the pipes under the sink are dripping, so she cleans it up, she fixes it up, gets a hold of a plumber. So plumber's talking to her, and she says, here's what's going on, it's all messy, it's, I, I, I can't fix it, but I know you can. So he looks at it, and he goes, yep, I actually, I know exactly how to fix this. This is not a big problem, um, but the problem is, my schedule is really busy, and I can't fit you in for two months. And she said, you can't fit me in for two months? You live here. <laughs> how many of us have gone to that? How many, how many of us guys have the honey-do list, you know, that's, you know, Years going, I know COVID, when, when COVID hit and people were forced to go home, there was a, a meme that went on. It said, I feel sorry for all the husbands whose honey's do lists is now, right? <laughs> now you're home. You see, sometimes we get so busy that we can't even pay attention to the things right in front of us because our schedules get so out of control and our schedules become the very thing we want to avoid. Our schedule is the hot mess. Our life is twofold. There's just too much stuff on there. Now, in, in the life of your normal, everyday, average person, studies and research show there are two things more than anything that people decide to trust themselves with more than they trust God. The first one is money. The second is their time. Money and time. People will say, I'm going to focus. I got control of this. I don't need God's help. I will handle all my finances. I will handle all my time. God, I've got this. You can work in anything else. Unfortunately, 
that doesn't always work out the way we hope. And sure enough, our schedules can get out of, out of control. How many of us deal with work, your social life, or lack of because of stuff, your kids, your sports, schedules, and then you throw in small groups, church, events, and everything that life entails? How many of us go through all that stuff? And, and we look at someone simply saying, hey, you want to go out to dinner? Can we come over for dinner? And you, you're like, how does four months from now sound? Right? We were actually joking with um, some friends of ours who... Um, Cameron and Brittany, Cameron actually spoke here last year at one, one Sunday, and they live up in Stanwood, and we were trying to coordinate having dinner with them, and it was true, even for us, we were going down weekend after weekend after weekend, and then Cameron threw out there, he goes, are you guys free in February of 2027? <laughs> and I actually think Stephanie looked at the calendar and goes, actually, no, we're not. So our schedules get busy, and we get so just consumed with all the stuff that takes over our life. If many of us at times are honest, I think we can all relate to the phrase, our schedule can be a hot mess. Our schedules can be a hot mess. Now, I, I know for me personally, when it comes to scheduling, Google Calendar is my lifesaver. It, it is everything goes onto the calendar. When I want to meet with somebody, when I say, hey, you know, are you free to go out to lunch? Or can, can we talk or meet on this? Or someone says, hey, hey, pastor, I want to talk to you. I immediately have to open up my Google Calendar and see what I have because I know if I don't, if I try to plan something and I don't ask my wife what's going on or I don't look at Google Calendar, Stephanie will ask me, did you look at the calendar? Did you check the calendar? And if I book something without checking the calendar, 99% of the time, guess what I do? I double book myself. I've triple booked myself. And then I have to be this person that calls and says, I messed up, I'm sorry, we gotta switch things around. And I can hear my wife's voice, did you check the calendar? Sometimes when I wanna make an appointment with somebody, I hear her saying it before I even make the phone call to the person. All right, I'm gonna call such and such, did you check the calendar? Oh, gotta do it. Because if I don't, my schedule can get crazy. And I have a full schedule. But the thing is, we can all have full schedules. How many people here would even just say, just raise their hands, you have a full schedule? You look at your life and things are, things are full. You've got busyness hitting you, you're, whether it's, no matter what it is, just it, it fills up so fast. But here's the thing that I've come to learn when it comes to my schedule. A full schedule does not mean that you have a fulfilling schedule. A full schedule does not mean that you have a fulfilling schedule. And the truth is, there's no fancy way to fix a schedule that's too full. There's no fancy way to do it. It's, it's, you, just, you have to find some practical ways to free time up. And a schedule that's too full, that's not fulfilling you, it's going to lead to, a, it's gonna lead to the, the big thing that nobody wants to face. It's going to lead to burnout. If you have a full schedule, you will quickly lead yourself to burnout. And unfortunately, you know what one of the first things people cut out of their life is when they feel like they're getting burned out? Church. And not, ju not just church. In general, their walk with Jesus starts taking, a down, starts taking the back burner. What are some things that I think I can cut out to give some more me time? My community will take a break. My small group, I'll take a break. Coming to church on Sunday, I'll take a break. And the bummer is that's the very thing that's meant to fill us, right? That's supposed to be the fulfilling thing in our schedule, the thing where we say, I'm going to do this because it will give me energy to get through everything else. We start saying, you know, I just need some me time, so God, I'll get back to you later. We cut out the thing that's meant to fill us up to all to give ourselves me time. But if we eliminate God from our schedule and we fill it with other things, the bummer is we just filled ourselves with nothing and we end up still feeling empty. I've lived that life. 
I've been there. Maybe some of us today are there right now or you've been there before and you know, man, I've been there and it is not appealing. It is not fun. I don't want to go back. It is just a huge mess. But, but the reason we're going to talk about our schedules today is because the repercussions of a chaotic and full schedule that's not fulfilling but one that is leaving you empty and void doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody around you. Guys, it affects your spouses. It affects your kids. Wives, it affects your husbands. It affects your kids. It affects so much more than just us when we are feeling burned out and empty. Our emotions pour out into those around us and it burns out the people that we are meant to be a part of and fill as well. Our family can be the most directly impacted by our lack of self-care. So our discussion of a couple weeks ago and today, the, our family being a hot mess in our schedules, these are meant to go hand in hand on what can we do, because there are some things the Bible says about what can we do to maintain a healthy schedule. And it's funny is you may think, oh, Dustin, this doesn't seem very spiritual at all. You're talking about my time. The Bible talks a lot about our time. The Bible talks a lot about how we spend our time and specifically how to maintain and make sure we're not getting burned out. And we're going to go over a few things that the Bible says today to make sure that we have a manageable schedule, one that's not chaotic, one that's not a hot mess, and one that is fulfilling to you, fulfilling to what God has called you to do, and in turn, fills those around you. And the first thing is this, and this is so hard, and I've, I've been guilty of not doing this, but I think one of the first things we see in Scripture, and that's why we're in Genesis 2 today, one of the first things we see is we need to find Sabbath rest. We need to find Sabbath rest. So Genesis chapter 2. Two weeks ago, I feel like uh, we pretty much covered the whole book of Genesis in the span of like 35 minutes. And we talked about Abraham, moved on through Isaac, moved on through Joseph. We, we just flew through the book on all these families. But today we're going to go a little bit before that, just the second chapter in the Bible, because I believe it's going to lay a lot of groundwork for today and what we do moving forward with our time. Now, what is the first step we can take towards reevaluating our schedule and making sure that we are healthy? And quite simply, we've got to find Sabbath rest. So Genesis 2, starting in verse 2, says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, if you're new to this church thing, or maybe you haven't been here before, or you're not familiar with kind of this passage, this may be a new term for you, Sabbath and resting as it relates to Scripture. So God creates the heavens and the earth in six days. Then on the seventh day, he rested. All the work he had done, God said, I'm going to take a day and I'm going to rest. And now some of you may think, wait a second, this is God, right? God got tired? God literally spoke things into creation. Let there be, let there be, let there be. Peace out, nap time. Like it just, you started thinking, God really wore himself out doing this? Is that really what happened? But, but no, no, God, God didn't get tired. He didn't need to rest because he needed to regenerate his godly powers. Jesus says this in John 5, 17. He says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. Kind of contradictory, don't you think? It kind of sounds like, wait a second, on one hand it says God rested, and then Jesus is here saying, but God is working. He's always working. So, so what, how do these work together? And this, this happens a lot in Scripture, and what this is called, theology calls this biblical tension. We have two verses that people would say this is contradictory, but when you pick them apart and really analyze how they work together, that's what they do. They work together. 
There's a tension with them, but when you see how God molds beautifully Scripture together, they work together to give this great example and visual of what God is trying to teach us. So we see God is not resting in Genesis 2 because he's tired from the work he's doing. What he's doing is he's putting together a model for all of us to follow because we are finite. We are flesh and blood. We are the ones who can't go, go, go. We need to rest. So what does God do? And the fact he doesn't need it, he says, I don't need this, but I'm going to, by example, show you what you need to do. I'm going to show you how you can rest. I'm going to show you how to honor me in the midst of what your hot mess of a schedule can be, right? We need this. We need to rest. We are flesh and blood. How many of us have gone through those, those weeks at a time where we feel like we are getting zero rest? For whatever it is, right? Sometimes it's work. Your job literally has you at work for so many hours that you're sleeping at work, just or taking a nap at work, and then getting back into shift. You may feel like after that nap you're rejuvenated, but what's really happening to your body? You're deteriorating. You need to get quality rest. You have a newborn at home, right? Us parents, we've been there. How much rest do you get when there's a newborn? There's none. There's not really any. You start tag-teaming your spouse, your turn, your turn. And, um, and then sometimes, you know, your, your spouse doesn't wake up, and then it's back to you. Sorry, Stephanie. Right? God doesn't need rest himself, but he models for us the perfect way. The perfect way to honor him at the same time. He models us because he desires for us to become more and more like him. He wants us to give ourselves to him. He wants us to become more, more, God, more not more godlike in the sense of getting powers, but more, more of his character. He wants us to grow into this each and every day. So he shows us what it's like to take a break from work. He shows us that if he can take a rest, the God of the universe who is in control of everything, if he can take a day and say, I'm going to rest, guess what we can do? We can take a day. We can take a day to rest. In the grand scheme of what he's responsible for and what we're responsible for, it doesn't really measure up, right? We can take a minute, we can take a day to say, God, I'm going to honor you with this day. But how many of us know there's a difference between rest and Sabbath rest? There's a huge difference between these two words, and that could very well make or break your schedule today. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example of um, something I lived through, and I actually have some friends from Creekside with me here today who can, uh, one of them in particular can relate to this. Every year at Creekside, we would hit a busy season. Now, Creekside in general is a busy church, big church, busy church, but every year we would hit the season where all of a sudden, after Christmas, we would then have, we'd have a crab feed, we'd have a car show, then we'd have a dinner auction, then we'd have summer camps, then we had sports summer camps, and it was, it seemed like it was five months of just, you're going 200 miles an hour, you're not stopping, you're not sleeping, you're not resting. It was a high-octane, busy season, all the time. It was a lot of work. Now, on top of the work stuff, then you add... One of my kids was in ballet. One of my kids was cheerleading. I, I want to have a social life. And, and finding rest became an afterthought. There was no rest. It was just eat, sleep, work, this, this, go home, eat dinner, go to bed, wake up, do it all over again. It was an insane season. <clears throat> go, 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 repeat. Now, the bummer for me is it took years for me to learn how to rest during this time literal years of going this, knowing the season was coming, like I'm going to go through this, it's going to happen. It took years to learn how to say, hey, on my day off, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn off my email. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to take my day off and I'm just going to turn off work. 
I didn't do that for a long time. Not only was I getting tired, but you know who was getting really, really mad at me on my day off when I was checking work emails and text messages? My boss, no, not my boss, my wife. She, was, she would get so upset that it's our day off and we're out doing something and what am I doing? Replying to an email. Did that email have to get replied to right then and there? No, no it didn't, it could have waited till the next day. But I was so in the go, 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 not rest mode that it, it was affecting me, it was affecting my marriage. So when I decided, finally, it's like, you know what I'm going to do on my day off? I will turn off my phone. On that night, so if, if the night before my day off, I would actually turn off my phone so I wouldn't get woken up by a phone call on my day off. Because that's another thing that would, you know, start the day off right, answer the phone for a work call on your day off when your wife told you not to, right? Good start to the day. So I'd turn it off, but I remember when I decided to make this a habit, I'm going to have my Sabbath day, and I'm going to rest and not work and be with my family and honor God on this day, you know what happened? I was so more rejuvenated when I went back. I was so much more ready for the next step when I got back into work. I was, I was, I was present with my family. I felt energy. I felt good. Remembering the Sabbath is so important. I can't stress enough how much it's needed. And if you're in a place right now where you would say, I can't afford to take this time, I can't afford to take a day, I would argue this is so important that God commanded it. You can't afford not to take a day to remember him. You can't afford not to take time to say, I'm going to remember and honor you, God. It's so important that God commanded it. Now think of that. This, this, was not, this is not a suggestion by God. If you have time to slow down and, and honor me, do it. He commanded, take a day. Take a day and honor me. Keep it holy. Rest. And maybe some of you can relate with that season that I just explained in my life for whatever situation you're in, right? Either way, have you ever had those nights where you feel like you got the best sleep ever? You're like, oh man, I slept for nine hours. And you wake up and you're still just emotionally wiped out. You have not personally recovered from everything going on. That's because maybe you took rest, but you didn't take Sabbath rest. You didn't honor God with your time. Sabbath rest feels like it's like pushing a pause button from all the other work you've been doing for the other six days of the week. It means doing something else with your time, uh, of working, working on something fun or laying, laying, putting something fun into your schedule. Sabbath rest, it's not just taking rest. Sabbath rest is an act of faith. It's literally taking an act of faith saying, God, I'm going to trust you with my time. I'm going to give you my time and honor and know that you are going to fill me because I'm honoring you with my schedule. It's not always easy to do, and man, it can feel a bit overwhelming when you're saying, I'm not in control of this anymore, when I'm giving it over to somebody else. For us now, for me and Stephanie, it's Friday. Friday is our Sabbath day. Thursday night, she, she still reminds me because it's just part of our routine. Thursday night, she says, hey, turn off your phone, put your phone on silent, except for the alarm to wake us up to get the kids ready for school. But it won't ring, notifications won't go off, it's just, it's done, I won't check my email, we take the kids to school, and Stephanie and I get to have Friday mornings together. We, do, we purposely don't add a lot of things or hardly anything to our schedule. We just have, just, I guess, to be with my wife on Friday mornings, and it's wonderful. We'll, we'll go out and do something together. We'll, we'll go to the movies and not tell the kids. It's great. <clears throat> then, then the kids come home from school, and we established um, what we do on Friday nights now. We have pizza and a movie night as a family. 
And it's, just, it's a fun tradition that we've done. And we, we've been li- reliving our childhood through our kids in a way. Like we were watching Beethoven and Sandlot. And some of the old movies we used to watch as kids, we're introducing our kids to those. We, we watched Homeward Bound not that long ago with the girls. And I remember, I remember Aurora, I showed her the picture of the thing. We're going to watch Homeward Bound. She goes, Really? And I was like, no, you'll like it. And you know, the dogs, they get lost. They're trying to find their way home. They're funny. And she goes, oh, you know, this, that. She, she's 11 going on 16. But she did, you know, the, the eye roll and just, okay. And you know, we put the movie on and she loved it and wanted to watch it again. So dad win, right? <clears throat> but all that to say, we have traditions that we do. We make sure that we take one day a week and we're not just bombarded by our schedule. We're not just bombarded by doing and doing and doing. We're spending quality time together. We're having fun. We're, we're spending time in the word. We're honoring God with our time, saying, God, I know the most important people you've put in my life is my family. What am I going to do on my Sabbath? I'm just some family time. Turn off work, turn off everything else, and have family. And that's not to say, don't, don't, I'm not saying don't ever call me on a Friday. Um, there are lots of Fridays where as a family, you know, that afternoon or even evenings, we go to other people's houses for dinner. We've had people over. The point is, it's not work. It's fun. We're having fun one day of the week and just making sure we're honoring each other and honoring God with it. And I can't tell you how important Fridays have become to us. The fun and family and life we get to share. This type of rest can radically change our lives. It can radically change your life. It can radically change your schedule. And stepping out in faith can feel awkward, but, but we've got to make faith choices every day. Every single day we've got to choose, am I going to honor God with this decision or am I going to honor myself? And what better way than to take one day and say, God, today I'm giving you my schedule, giving you my time. I'm going to have fun with my family and then see how he fills you. See how he fill, just fills you up. We've got to choose God over other things. We've got to invest our best in the things that he has and trust that he'll take care of the rest of it for us. And what is the best investment you can make? The best investment you can possibly make is your time with God. The absolute best investment is by giving it to him. I, I want to give you a visual. Can, can you grab the, the water for me and bring it up here? <clears throat> How many of you guys uh, like to serve other people? You like to, go, you, you, you like to help. You know, there, there's a lot of us that do that, right? We like to help other people. We do lots of things. We're involved in church. Let me just set them all right here for me. Thank you very much. These are some of my friends from Creekside. I'm glad they're up here this week. <laughs> so... We like, we like to do things for other people, right? We love to, to go out and serve. Um, a lot of us serve here in the church, whether it's greeting, hospitality, worship, coffee bar, children's, youth. There's a lot of stuff here at church, right? And a lot of us serve. So imagine that this is, this is you. And this is just your, your emotions, your, your, what, kind of what, what fills you up. You like to do things for other people, right? And then you decide, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to serve at church. So you start pouring yourself out into church. Someone calls you said that they, they need a hand with something, whether it's moving or just I'm going through a hard time, I need someone to hang out with. So you're like, you know what, absolutely, I'm here for you. So you start pouring yourself into that person. And your, your kids have things that you want to go do. So you're, you're pouring some of yourself out with your kids. And even, this is not a bad thing, this is all good stuff you're doing. Um, your, your spouse says, hey, we want some time. You're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour some of my, my life into my spouse. But you know what happens is we get to a point where we do so much for other people. What happens to us? We get drained. You get drained. Even if it's stuff you like doing, you can only do so much before you just got nothing left to pour out. And if we're not investing in God, this becomes ourselves. 
Because of our schedule, our busyness that we're doing, our schedules become such a hot mess, there is nothing left for us to give. And this is when burnout happens. This is when we say, I don't have anything else to give. I am just done. And you start becoming cranky and angry and just, just upset with, I don't have time and frustration. But you know what? We start investing time with God. We say, God, I'm going to spend some time with you today. God, how can I spend some more time in your word? God, how can I spend some more time with my, my church community? God, how can I trust in you to fill me up? God does just that. The more time we invest with God, the more he says, now that you've invested in me, now you can keep going. Now you can keep going to those around you. You can, you can keep serving, keep giving it for other people, keep showing people the love that I've shown you. But sure enough, you get to that point again. We've got to make sure... Just know, you can never really run out of God. This is just a pitcher of water, okay? <laughs> but, but just know that you can keep going back to him. And as much as you go to him, you know what he'll keep doing? He'll keep filling you up. Every single time he'll fill you up. I can't stress how important it is to invest time with God. He is the only one that can consistently fill you up to the point where you get to do what he's called you to do. He will do it every single time. And I'm not here just to tell you, all right, so that means go read your Bible more. That, that's not the, the point, just go read your Bible more. If that were my point, we would all gain a whole lot of head knowledge and it wouldn't really sink down into our hearts and to the, the way that we, we execute our lives, right? I want to direct you to a single verse in Psalms that can, I think, radically reshape the way that we think about spending time in God in relation to how it fits in our schedule. Psalm 84.10 says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day than a thousand elsewhere. I can think of a lot of places I would love to spend a thousand days. Disneyland, whoop, right? But this says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Now, now we all know that the simple math, right? 365 days in a year, except for leap year, Theoden, wherever you are, you're going to correct me, I know, thank you. That means, that means in, in three years, we have a little over a thousand days in a three-year span. So what, what this, this author is saying is, is in three years, there's a lot that can happen, right? In three years, you can go to college and either get your degree or be really close to getting a master's or, or, or doctoral degree. In three years, your child can complete middle school or complete high school. Like you can say, oh, look, there's a freshman. All of a sudden, three years later, they're graduating. A lot happens in three years. In three years, we're going to be talking about who's running for the next presidential election. Three, a lot happens in three years. The writer of this psalm is completely convinced that just one single day, one 24-hour period with God is better than almost three years anywhere else. Anywhere else. So, so then I'll ask you, more so than an entire day with God, does your day consistently consist of any time with God? Does it consist with any time? If just one day with him is better than a thousand elsewhere, how often are we not putting him as a priority in our day, right? Man, that's, it's got to be something we go to. It's got to be something that we know will fill us up. Maybe we try to figure out why we're so drained, why we feel so burned out, why our, why our schedule is so full but not fulfilling. Maybe we're still making time for our family. Maybe in a day off or two throughout the week we're doing other things. But how can we feel so drained, well, like that, like that glass a minute ago, if we're still doing all these things, we're pouring ourselves out and we're saying, hey, I'm going to do this, going to do this, but we're not spending time with God and letting him fill us up, man, we're going to feel drained. 
We're going to feel drained unless he is a priority. I think the rhythm of an investment with God, this has got to be a daily decision. This has got to be a daily part of our routine to spend time with him. Maybe it happens when you wake up in the morning. Maybe it's as soon as you get out of bed, instead of checking emails or looking at your calendar or social media, I'm guilty of the alarm goes off. What's on Facebook today? You know, just, just start scrolling through. What's on Instagram? What are my friends saying? What memes have my friends sent me when I was sleeping that I have to, I have to look at right now, right? I'm guilty of that, but, but maybe it means first thing you do in the day. Your alarm goes off, you get up, you say, you know what? I'm starting my day off with God today. That's just going to be my routine. Maybe that's not possible for you because your schedule is so front-loaded. You say, you know what? Hey, I can't do it in the morning because I don't want to get up at 2 in the morning to start my, my routine. Maybe that means at the end of the day, you say, you know what, God? Here's everything I did today. I'm now going to spend time with you to fuel me for when I wake up in the morning. Whatever time of the day it is, whatever time fits, I would just say, encourage, I would encourage everyone, make it a part of your daily routine. Find a time where you say consistently, this is the time that I get to give God my schedule and honor him with it. And I would say, man, when you honor God with your schedule, watch him honor you with energy. Watch him honor you with life. He doesn't pour nothing into you. He fills us every time. Make sure we're spending time with God. And everyone's different. Everyone's different. Everyone's schedule's going to be different. I'm just simply advocating that you try something. Take that leap of faith, that step, and says, I'm going to today make a decision that at this time every day, I will honor God. I will invest my time with him. And then after you invest, one more thing that I think we should do that is hard because it involves letting go of something. Give God your schedule. Actually give God your schedule. Now, Jesus was on earth for about 33 years prior to his death and resurrection. From the Bible tells us, he spent about three of those years. So from 30 to 33 was what we see in the gospel, kind of the ministry and the life of Jesus. Him performing the miracles, rising, raising people from the dead, showing people this love that God has, building this relationship, teaching the crowds, healing the sick, feeding people smorgasbords of bread and fish. Scripture tells us a little bit about his life before that, just a small bit. And it happens in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41, we see just a little bit of Jesus right here when he's younger. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Parenting boo-boo, right? You go somewhere and you're like, uh-oh, we forgot our kid. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. How many of you guys have lost track of your kids for like 30 minutes and you start to have that little like, that panic moment like, oh my gosh, it's been a few minutes. A day goes by, right? And they're traveling. And they weren't just by themselves. It was a whole crowd of people. But after a day, they realize, oh no, Jesus is not here. Where is our son? They began looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. I bet that was the longest day back of their lives. It gets even better. After three days, they don't know where he is now for three days. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? And she's passing the blame. Like, we didn't forget you. Why'd you do this to us? <laughs> Why aren't you here? Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? It's funny. 
It's almost like, how are you supposed to argue with Jesus? And, and, and he can't even argue with him. He's 12 years old, right? He does this whole, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? That last statement is awesome. Another, another translation says it this way. I should, didn't you know I should be involved with my father's affairs? I think, everyone, this is truly foundational and key to taking our schedule from a hot mess to a manageable calendar of life that God is calling us to be fulfilled with. Maybe the action step you need to partake in every day is very simple yet extremely hard to do. Give God your schedule. Be involved in his affairs. Go to his house and say, God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to lead? What am I supposed to be involved in? God, direct my steps. This is hard to do. This is so hard to do because it means we are relinquishing control of something we so want to be in control of. Maybe we have deadlines to meet. There's a family we need to care for. There are things that come up last minute that we know this has to be done now. I cannot wait any later. But even before sitting down and making that list of our calendar, crafting our schedule, maybe we, we take our, even our, if you use Google Calendar, you put your phone down. You just say, all right, God, it's empty right now. Help me fill it. You be a part of what I'm about to put in this thing. You be a part of my day-to-day. You help direct my schedule. Let him take control. Let him be the one who guides what you do. Don't, be the one, don't just be the one who says, all right, God, I can fit you in here, fit you in here. Let him be the one who says, hey, put me here and let's fill everything else around it. Everything else around what I have for you. You get to call the shots. This is a giant step of faith. This is a really, really big thing, but I think it's a necessary one if we want to get our chaotic mess of a schedule really under control and in the hands of God who wants to be a part of everything that we're doing. If we practice this enough and we truly want to change, I truly believe God, Jesus, will meet you in your schedule. He will meet you in the busyness of everything, and he will turn your hot mess into something so beautiful. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. As, as you press into God, you'll notice things on your calendar. You'll notice things happening in your schedule. Your priorities will start to shift. Things that maybe you thought, have to do this now, need it now, it suddenly turns into, you know what? That actually can, can wait a little bit because God wants me to do this and this is more important. God put this priority in my life and I need to focus here instead. You'll start to intertwine the, the, the message of the gospel. You'll start to intertwine God's love with everything you say and do because God is the one that's guiding all these things and interactions in your life. People will notice it. Your family will notice it. Your coworkers will notice it. People will notice the shift in, in how you're emotionally doing. And you can ultimately point them to Jesus because he's the one in charge and he's the one that you're following in the first place. You'll realize you do have time for Sabbath rest each week. You do have the ability to set aside time for God to be in control, to invest in God and watch him invest in you. This is how you find peace. You can find peace in the midst of chaos. This is how you get control of an out-of-control schedule. Give it all to him. Give it all to him and don't look back. Let him be the one who guides it initially. I was asking a friend for something uh, this week. I, I did uh, two memorial services this week. I, did, um, I officiated Stephanie's grandma's service on Monday, and I officiated my niece's service yesterday. And I remember just all, all the logistics that kind of go in with, with putting together services and pictures and slideshows. And so I texted my friend. I said, hey, I'm trying to get information to you so you can make the program. You know what she said? And I love she said this. 
Not all of us work on weekends. I'll get to it later. That was wonderful. I thought it was so good because I was like, okay, not only now do I not have the pressure of trying to get her something, but at the same time, it was a good reminder for me. It's like, you know, I'm not working right now either. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, it's just a good reminder that, you know what? Honor your Sabbath. Honor your Sabbath. Give God your time. Give your family time. Set boundaries. Watch God invade all of it in the most beautiful way. But we've got to invite him in. Invest in him. Give him control. It is the best thing you can do. Amen? I'd like to invite you all to stand and the worship team to, to come on up here this morning as we get ready to close. Now, for everyone here personally, I don't know what this looks like for you on, on a personal level. I don't know what everyone has going on in their life. Um, I don't know in the moment exactly what you're going to do, what you need to change to feel at peace. But I do know that, that I shared a little bit with you guys today about what it looks like for me, the, the steps I have to take, the things, the, the checks and balances I have to put in place to make sure God is getting the attention he deserves so he, I can invest in him and he can pour into me. I wouldn't expect you to do it exactly the way I do it. But with that said, I, I hope you can all understand the principles of, of what we talked about today. The principles of making sure your schedule needs to go to him first. First and foremost. And when he fills it, it's the best. Practical steps. I think if we take these, we can go from surviving a busy schedule to thriving in a busy schedule. Genuinely thriving. And remember, if the rest was so important for God, it's important for us. It says this as well. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God designed this for us. It is for us to thrive and to grow and to be at peace and to just flourish in what he wants us to do. Remember the Sabbath and consider taking a leap of faith today and find that, that beautiful rest you can have with Jesus that only he can give you. Let's pray. God, I thank you that um, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of busyness, you're there. I pray that as we, uh, as we go through our lives, as we make our schedules, make our calendars, and remember that everything needs to revolve around you, not the other way around, God, that you're at the center of everything we do, and that when we honor you, God, we can see your hand and your blessing in all of our lives. I pray for those of us in here today who feel like they just don't have time for you, God. I pray that, that we all come to that understanding we can't afford to not have time for you, that you invade even those moments, and that you, you see, you, we see personally, God, how you bless us in these times when we honor you. So God, be with our time, be with our schedules, be with our conversations. Let people see that you're the reason, you're the center and the focus of everything we do. We thank you, we love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.